You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. How you doing, Grump? Greetings from Indian Rocks Beach, Florida. My vacation, get catching a lot of, a bunch of Rays games, a bunch of Lightning games. And, and no fish, but, right? Uh, no, we caught some fish. We went fishing yesterday and uh, actually caught some, some redfish and some snooks, so... Uh, the schneid has been broken for my lack of uh, catching lately, so that was nice. Uh, but while I'm on vacation, I'm still thinking about, in a couple of weeks, the NFL draft and how we make this team better. I'm sure you've been thinking about the draft a little bit, right? Oh my god, it's like I haven't thought about anything else for like a month. <laughs> um, but geez, with, with all the work that we've been doing and, and my, my head in the film room, I guess, which is this seat... Um, for so long, it's crazy. It's in two weeks. You know, it's right around the corner, um, and all this work will be for something. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> Grumper, we uh, we go into the draft. We got we, we got our tickets uh, to go. Oh no! I mean, uh, I'm I'm staying home for the draft itself. I've got uh, way too much going on, and and what like stuff actually in my proximity that i gotta handle draft night the next day and all that other stuff but that's actually where i'm most comfortable the last time we went to the draft party was not that fun at metlife yeah i mean it'd be nice to to see everybody but it also it also happens to be my anniversary so you know i gotta have to you know i'm sure we'll be at some lovely dinner but i will (laughs) have my phone available at a moment's notice and uh I think you get a special dispensation to do that for a draft night gets to know. We do provide a very valuable <laughs> service for all you giant fans out there. And also, I mean, if they make a grade A movie about this night, I think you get a free pass. <laughs> I think my home movies would be better than draft day. But, uh, <laughs> the, moral, the, the moral of the story for you, Grump, and for everybody out there is marry a cool woman, which I think so understands what kind of nutcases you and I are and our passion for York Giants, so we are allowed to have our phone out following the draft. <laughs> yeah, got that. Um, uh, yeah, and <laughs> I, I had a smooth transition there, but it's it's not a topic worth transitioning. Let's just jump right into like news over the over the weekend here. Um, actually, yeah. sad stuff. Shouldn't be laughing about it, so not worth the transition, but. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, really, really shocking stuff. Um, I, I didn't really want to investigate the full thing when it was first breaking. I don't like when facts kind of spill in, but I, I believe he was like on foot crossing a highway in Florida when he got hit by a car, a truck. Um, yeah, really sad. Was it like 26, 25? Yeah, I mean, it's a terrible story. I mean, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what his career was like, it doesn't matter. If he was on a rival of the Giants, poor guy, life ended way too early, and that's awful. Um, you know, uh, when, I, when I heard it, I, I, it was you know it's obviously shocking. It's not one of those things like you know somebody who's been sick, but you're surprised that he passed away, but not shocked or you know. But it's just like Gilbert Godfrey. 
Ugh, that's another that's another horrible one too. Yeah. But Gilbert Gottfried died today, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't even know he was sick though. But I mean, if you hear of somebody that you know has been struggling for a while, and then they hear the news, they they pass away. It's uh, it's surprising, but not shocking in, in the grand scheme of things. This was a total surprise and a total shock, and just awful. Um, the one thing I do want to kind of bring up a little bit is the Adam Schefter kind of angle on this story and all of the grief that he got for his tweet. And again, I know that we all spend half our life on social media and on Twitter, and we all want to, you know, instantly have a reaction. We instantly want to overreact. We instantly want to have outrage for every little thing, but you know, something we're all human. And what Adam Schefter did was that was obviously not what he typed and what his intent was to be a hatchet job on Dwayne Haskins. I think he, you know, maybe, you know, just people are just way too sensitive. I think right now. And I, I don't understand why people were so quick to jump on the guys down the guy's throat for, for tweeting what he did. It was, you know, we're not perfect. And, you know, it's something And his job is, is a reporter and his job, you know, you're trying to get the information out. And I think the problem with a lot of us have people who will watch this show and watch all the other, uh, you know, the podcasts are out there and start football junkies is that we all assume that everybody knows who Adam Schefter is. Everybody knows what Adam Schefter is tweeting about. Everybody knows everything about football and we don't. And there, you know, Adam Schefter has millions and millions and millions of followers. You know, a large percentage of them are very casual football fans, and they may know who Dwayne Haskins is, they may not, and maybe just to hear, you know, who is that guy again? Oh, it's that guy. So, I think we just have to. I know I'm pissing in the wind by saying this, but your first reaction should not be to be offended and pissed off and just, you know, bent about everything you read on social media and it's a bit of a ramble here but this whole thing is just a horrible situation and i just think people just have to have outrage and you know be outraged at the fact that a guy lost his life not because somebody was tweeting about him and not in a way that was obviously not malicious when you when you read it yeah, I mean, I don't feel very strongly one way or another about the way the tweet was worded. Uh, if I if I had seen the original tweet before I knew the news, which uh, I didn't, um, I don't think I would have thought twice about it. And it's because I do think of – I think of that all the time that like, you know, we listen to Adam Schefter. I know – there are very few times Adam Schefter tweets out a name and I don't know who it is immediately. But – when he does, he often has additional information where I'm like, oh yeah, that guy or something like that. And I think Dwayne Haskins is a case for casual football fans to not actually know who he was. If you're a casual fan of an AFC West team, you know, Dwayne Haskins didn't really stick around as a starter or, for very or long. Or let's say you're just someone who just doesn't watch football every week. Maybe you watch the Super Bowl or maybe you watch – Oh, the Cowboys are on because I think the quarterback's cute, or whatever reason like that. You're not going to know who Dwayne, who Dwayne Haskins is. Now, is there a Venn diagram between that people and the people that follow Adam Schefter? I don't know. But Adam Schefter's job, like uh, Woj does in basketball and, and, and Shams, is 
get the information out first. Yeah, you know, it really it is. Of, That's the thing. Is that as you can. He, he's not really a journalist in that he writes articles or gets a bunch of information or taps a bunch of sources to to come out with this like big piece. I mean, his job really is to tap as many sources to find out the news first and put it out. He never publishes more than basically a tweet. I mean, that's it. So his job is to give you the information you need as fast as possible. And, you know, in that maybe he chose some bad words, but like I I think it was pretty clear he wasn't trying to be malicious. But, like, I understand also that he has a history of doing things that people don't like. Um, one of the more notable things was leaking the information that Andrew Luck wanted to retire before he wanted that information out. Um, he had also, I believe, paid off a nurse for JPP's x-rays, who later would get fired. But, um, you, know, you know something? If Andrew Luck doesn't like it, you know, Adam Schefter is not a publicist. You know, he's not part of their image uh, management. His job is a reporter. I mean, he doesn't write long-form pieces like he said. You know, he his job is to find out information and tell everybody about that information. He does pieces on you know on TV all the time where he's you know breaking news and following up that breaking news. That's his job. You know, so if people don't like that's his job, very simple. Don't follow him. But, you know, you're, you're going to be a step behind everybody else who does know information faster than anybody because of Adam Schefter. And I think he does really good work. Uh, you know, a story like that is just always tough. And it's just, you know, what's the first thing that pops in your head about Dwayne Haskins, really, is for his career? It's, you know, a guy that struggled where he was. And that, that's that's the truth. It's not it's not an attack. It's It's the truth. Yeah, he would tell you the same thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel that strongly about it. So, uh, if people were like, eh, "It didn't need to be there," I'm kind of like, "Yeah, I guess, I guess it didn't." But I can understand why it was there. It's not like he was I, a star quarterback anywhere other than Ohio State, where he was only a two, star for one year. Two things can be true. It probably didn't need to be there, but right. to go to get so bent about it and to be so offended and so outraged about it. To, to, you know, call for the guy's job. I mean, come on, relax. Anyway, let's relax on this. Yeah. The more important story yeah. here is that Dwayne Haskins died far, far too young. That's sad, um, and in in a really tragic way as well. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and that's really the only non-Giants news we have. Uh, we don't really have any Giants news either. Um, so I guess we'll jump right into our situation here at defensive line. I know that Giants fans probably don't think that defensive line is important. They probably don't want to hear it because the prior regime invested so much in stuffing the run or whatever the perception may be. Um, or maybe it was just the assets given up in the defensive line, a first-round pick plus the trade for Leonard Williams plus then the big contract to him. Well, but go ahead. Let's, let's do this, Grump. You know, current state of the roster and current state of the unit you know i I know the fans may gripe about the trade but i still think this you know the the interior line is not bad you know you know people were complaining about the trade from day one they were concerned that he wasn't going to resign and that kind of colored a lot of your view of the trade but larry williams is solid dexter lawrence is solid Uh, you know there are building blocks here to build expand on 
So what is your thought of the current state of this this group? The current state, I think, is is pretty good um, in terms of the starter-level talent. Um, I think that the tandem of Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams is a powerful one. I think that Dexter Lawrence also is thought of more highly around the league than he is in the media and than he is in the fan bases. Like, not just Giants fans, but just in the community. I, I think fans don't think much of him, but I think other coaches and other players think a lot of him. Um, I think that they are toying with something though now where they're really fragile i mean beyond those two the situation for this year is not that good at all um you know you've got some like fringe level talent there you've got some guys that maybe can kick inside part time i guess uh but then even beyond that is the situation beyond this year is actually pretty terrible i mean both of these guys may be gone next year um Mm -hmm. dexter lawrence is currently not even signed next year and that's the big thing is, you know, we do not want to get in the same situation we, we have been with. You know, we've lost a lot of interior linemen who, in, due to free agency, we just can't afford them, don't want to pay them, whatever reason. We don't want to be in a situation going forward where, you know, if they you know, don't offer the fifth year for Dexter Lawrence or they decide next year is more palatable to maybe move on from Leonard Williams, that there's nobody waiting in the wings to replace him. So... To me, when we're looking at the draft, it's not only for depth, it's also thinking about that transition post-Dexter, post-Leonard Williams. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And we need to stop – again, this probably does not need to be a major off-season acquisition, right? Because there are things that we can't leave this off-season without. We can't can't leave this off-season without a tight end being added. We can't leave this offseason without a right tackle being added. It can't happen. Okay. Um, next year, if, if Leonard Williams is cut to save money against the cap and Dexter Lawrence isn't retained, we will be in this situation now where we can't leave the offseason without adding some defensive linemen. And it's not a situation you want to be in because it puts you in a corner. You are, you're totally enveloped by the market and what's available. This is how we got into the Nate Solder contract um, because it was the only left tackle really in the market so he could dictate the value. And it was astronomical. Um, you don't so want to I get guess- backed into the market and you don't want to get backed into the talent in the draft. You don't want to be forced to draft someone higher than they are worth it. So... I think it's important. Yeah, this kind of leads into the discussion about Dexter Lawrence. You know, Mm -hmm. his you know fifth year option. Are we picking it up or not picking it up? Well, I mean, it would be pretty costly. I mean, we're talking about a twenty-two million dollar hit next year, Um, and it becomes—is he worth that money? Um, Well, it's for one year. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the one thing. We're not locking into a, you know, a Leonard Williams type contract where we're invested in him for the next four or five years after at that that inflated amount. We were talking about next year. Uh, and then I guess probably if you had to, you'd franchise in the year after, um, you know, if you still try to make that decision. But, you know, what do we think of Dexter Lawrence? I mean, you said he may not be worth it. Do we see still room for him to develop into a, you know, upper echelon borderline elite defensive lineman or is he just 
you know, greater than serviceable, but not a star. Yeah, I think I think that's that's really it. What you just said there, and it's it's partially because I never really saw the development of him becoming an interior pass rusher, and that might be because of the defense that he played in. Um, But I mean, he played with some good talent around him. You know, the whole time he's here, B.J. Hill, um, Austin Johnson was very good when he was here. Leonard Williams is great, and 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 those guys all put up big productive numbers. And Dexter Lawrence. He's very good and does a lot of unseen things. He sucks up a lot of blocks. I mean, he's outstanding in the run game. Um, he really can push the pocket too, collapse it from the top. But he doesn't put up the numbers. He just oh, doesn't. And we're talking about money that is for people who put that up. So I think I, I think it's just tricky because it's a fully guaranteed $22 million. So I think the only way that this is exercised, and this has to be exercised before he can prove himself this year in Wink Martindale's defense, by the way, which may play into this. Um, the only way you do that is if you are going to work it into a longer deal and you spread that money down and knock it down next year, in my opinion. Well, also, you know, the expectation for him, this could be for the same for several people in this defense, is with the presumption we are going to get an edge rusher in this draft, with the presumption mm. the offense will be better so the defense isn't dragging ass on the field yeah. for, you know, 38, 40, 42 minutes a game, his production should be better. His numbers should be better. Uh, you know, How much of that is because of just those factors or how much of it is it him actually getting better? That's going to be – that's an interesting call for it. Well, I mean I don't want to presume that anything is going to be better this year. This year. I think – the hires were in the right place for this team to be better generally going forward. But this year, I, I don't know that it's going to be better. I think it'll be more dangerous well, of an offense, but I don't know that it'll be more – I mean I hope it's more productive. But Well, from the standpoint of the defense where we expect this offense to be on the field more. We expect – I, I certainly – yeah, that much I, I hope so, yeah. And, and also because, you know – Let's say Daniel – and I don't want to get into this whole thing about the offense, but right. if the same scenario happened this year that happened last year, I think we'll be more prepared. We'll have a better backup quarterback in place that all of a sudden it's the Titanic – not the Titanic crashing like it did this past year when, when Daniel Jones went down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we, we think there will be some more talent on the offensive line than there was, so – you know. You know, again, we wait to see if it actually happens or not. But these things, the likelihood that this offense, while it may not score 40 points a game, will at least do job A as keep the defense off the field a little while longer. I think that should happen. That should be a reasonable expectation for this offense. Yeah, I, I mean, what are your? They have to decide on the fifth-year option soon. Um, if you, if you had to put a percentage chance on them exercising it, what do you think? I think it's seventy-five percent. Really? I think I do. I think it's a big number, but you know something. Dexter Lawrence is a talented guy. Again, what is he? You know, is he elite level? Is he an All Pro? Is he a Pro Bowler? Is he just above average? Yeah, he still has to. We have to figure that out. And I think, you know, the defense getting better around him will help that also. But if it was something where you had, it was a, if it was like something that triggered. A three-year extension on his contract? Absolutely not. But I think for one year, and maybe in that one year you work something out where you can sign him to an extension and spread that year out, like you mentioned. The, the, it gives you the opportunity to potentially do that. 
So I think you know, you know, there, there's gonna be more money shedding off the cap next year. You know, if uh, you know, we don't, we, someone like Daniel Jones with that potential money may or not may not be spent and stuff. I think you, I, I, I think you roll the dice for one year and see what happens. I uh, I I'm gonna put it at like 35. percent I don't think they're gonna do it at all. Um, and I, partially it's because this coaching staff, this front office, they won't get a chance to look at what he can do in this defense before they have to make the choice. So mm-hmm. I just think that they are in a mode now where it's like, do we need to keep him? Whoa. Um, they'll be they'll be in a decision where it's like, do we need to keep this guy? Is this is this something we have to allocate to? I mean, is there a chance that he'll be just good enough where he won't cost that much and we can just sign him as a free agent next year or replace him for similar money that's well, still less than this $22 million? I think they'll make that decision. Is a decision for Dexter Lawrence really a secondary decision after what's a decision with Leonard Williams? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. So, I mean, he's an interesting situation because he's a potential cap cut next year that mm-hmm. would – that would uproot a lot of money out of our out of our pockets here, but or, or back into our pockets. Um, he's got a twenty six million dollar cap hit next year, but only an eight million dollar dead hit. So that would save us quite a pretty penny, eighteen million dollars roughly. Um, that said, I don't think Leonard Williams has really slowed down at all. I mean, I think no. if he if he plays really well again this year, I would say, would you consider? extending him to kind of he'll only be 30 at the end of this contract so he's still got a couple of years i think as so long as we don't see injury we still see this going i mean would you throw on two more years to extend out the uh the cap numbers partially partially to extend out that 26 million but also to mitigate need and keep keep talent how much a better B important is Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence because you could do that. You could just resign Dexter Lawrence and you get a guy who's younger. Three I think, years Leonard, younger. I think Leonard Williams is better. I, I think he's better too, but how much better? Better enough that you'd want to. You're just investing in him for the next, you know, five years, then getting the same thing for maybe a little cheaper, well, probably a little cheaper, and for a guy a little more younger. I I don't know I I think Dexter Lawrence is probably more replaceable talent wise. Mm-hmm. Um, not not that Leonard Williams is some otherworldly talent that can't be replaced. I'm not trying to say that, but I just think it's harder to find guys as impactful as him. You know, with the size that he has, his ability to move along the defensive line and play multiple positions. I mean, he can play all the way down to like you know one technique, zero technique, nose tackle stuff. If, if you really wanted him to and can play all the way out on the edge, he can stand up in a two-point stance. That level of versatility is really hard to find. Um, and we're going to get into that kind of stuff as we, as we talk draft solutions here. But, you know, to me, Dexter Lawrence is a solid player. It's someone that you want to keep around. Don't get me wrong, but he's a defensive tackle that comes out in the draft, I think, just about every year. I don't think that he is... I don't think that he is the otherworldly talent that comes out very rarely. I think that he's... He's thus far shown that he is a very good defensive tackle, and those th- well, those can be obtained every single year. Well, let's let's talk about the draft and see who's out there that you know. You talk about replaceability. Let's see who out there who could potentially be 
Let's do that. I am so glad you said that. Um, I have no video clips this week, but I do have graphics. So I'm going to put those up on the screen for you. Um, and when I kind of went through this draft here, I just wanted to there, – there's multiple guys that you can look at to play different functions along the defensive line. Because like I said, you don't know who's going to be here and who's not. All you know for sure is that they're going to need help. Definitely next year, probably a little bit this year as well. Um, and in round one, there's really only one name that stands alone, and it's Jordan Davis from Georgia, 6'6", 341 pounds. This guy is very close to the Leonard Williams type of guy. Um, but I don't think he's nearly as good. I mean, remember, Leonard Williams was, uh, I believe, a top five pick in the draft um, by the Jets. And the the big difference here is is... I think Jordan Davis might have more raw strength, but Leonard Williams is much more refined of a hand fighter, um, whereas I think Jordan Davis tends to get hands in his chest because he's not too active with his hands. But also, the, the difference in speed is pretty good. I mean, Leonard Williams has an insane closing speed. He almost looks like an edge defender at times and kind of almost functions like one, whereas Jordan Davis is much more of a big lumberer in the middle there, big number 99. Um that said, though, I mean, 6'6", 341, he's, he's a solid tackler with plus length and strength to one arm and, and pull guys down. He's powerful. He could put O-linemen on skates. I mean, this dude is, to me, round one talent. Um, Leonard Williams, said, by the way. Yeah, Williams, he was a six, the six overall pick. Just to uh, I was so close. So close. Um, I can't see us getting Jordan Davis unless there's some huge trade down almost out of the teens into like 20 or something like that. Right? I agree. I mean, yeah. is it possible that, you know, he falls almost into the second round and, you know, we kind of do – depending on what we do with that second pick, you know, again, with that's the, the one we're really looking at. You know, if we get a very, very high second round pick – out of it you think is it potentially oh. still available well i mean we already have a super high pick in the in the second round um but to answer your question yeah i think anybody who i don't think is in the top 20 or who's fringe top 20 talent i think mm-hmm. any kind of silliness can push them into the second round i mean we see it every year landon collins is one that comes to mind you every single year on the beginning of day two there's like one or two names right at the top of the draft board that probably shouldn't be there and that we're all right. surprised are. So, yes, I would say he falls into that category where he might be sitting there at the top of the second round. Um, other Georgia guys fall into the second round for me, and that includes Trayvon Walker. And why I say that is because I think Trayvon Walker currently is more of a fit as an edge defender, but he had more success rushing from the inside. I mean, that's where he did a lot of his damage was with his quickness. So I don't know where he fits, but if you project him to be on the defensive line, he's going to have to add some weight, like seriously, like 30 plus pounds worth of weight. So that kind of pushes down where I kind of grade him as a defensive lineman into the second round. Um, I think he'll probably end up just being an edge defender at the NFL, and I I don't know how productive he's going to be being an edge full time. Um, You know, do you think that, you know, having watched them up close uh, often, that some of Georgia's defensive players um, overproduced because they're just surrounded by so much talent? They're surrounded by a lot of talent, and they are sur- they also play in a very disciplined defense, a, a mm. very a scheme that is very, very aggressive, a scheme that kind of, you know, 
guys up front are sending up other guys to come in and, and make the play. And everybody, Definitely. you know, they stay with their assignment. They are very disciplined. They don't make mistakes. So I, I, I you know, it's possible that I think that the, the Georgia defense, this sum might be greater than very, very talented parts. So if that makes sense. It, yeah, it absolutely does. And I think it's, I think the sum is better than some of the parts and not others. Uh, it's just going to be tricky identifying which ones. I mean, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, the guys that are like your 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 first round draft picks, they are legitimate first round draft picks. We're not trying to say they're getting propped up, but I think you know, the eighth and ninth guy on the Georgia defense probably plays at a level above what their actual skill set is because of you know the opportunities to make successful plays with this with this defense. Part of that is like you said, playing around future NFL players and part of it is the scheme too yeah um yeah it, it and I, I think like I mean thinking back to the Clemson defensive line from a couple of years ago um and guys like Cleveland Farrell where as a freshman I thought that dude was going to be an absolute monster in the NFL and maybe maybe he just overproduced because he was surrounded by a ton of talent on that defensive line I'm not really sure what right. happened there although he was drafted higher <laughs> But the thing with the Georgia defense, it's not just having just a great defensive line, great no, linebackers, great, great corners, corners, great yeah. safeties, and, and there's five star guys, you know, that are in the second unit that come in. They're spelling these guys also who get a lot of experience because they're blowing out teams, so they're not just waiting around. It's just, it's a well oiled machine, unfortunately, and uh, a well funded machine. A well funded. Now they'll start actually being funded legally, uh, but. <laughs> uh, and if it's no end in sight, and they just have these these five star recruits, you know, double parked waiting to come into Athens too. Hmm. Um, non SEC player uh, sneaking into the second round, possibly here, Travis Jones from UConn. Now this is a, this is a different type of guy here. This is going to be more of your big man in the middle. Um, 6'4", 325 pounds. He is a great fit at the, the nose tackle position, 0 or 1. But he can, he can play anywhere inside in 3'4". Um, and I think what makes him really good, obviously, then is the size, is that he's surprisingly quick. Uh, and uh, he, can, he can really just get into the middle of a, a play and screw it up fast just by being big and strong. So he just kind of bull rushes his way in there. But he's a lot more... Um, he, yeah, he's a lot more disruptive than you'd think of a big, slow guy. Um, he's not quite your Vita Vea talent. Again, that's that's some first-round talent right there. But this is a big guy in the middle that can really screw things up and can just walk offensive linemen back to the quarterback. So he should be able to put some serious pressure on QBs you, as well. Are you concerned about the talent level that he played against considering he went to UConn? I am. I am. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't want to get too much into this just yet, but like I, I, in the second round, I just I don't know that I'm going with a guy like Travis Jones. Um, I think that maybe he can impact things at a at a huge level, but a big man that that's an ideal fit at zero one that doesn't have like insane production as a pass rusher in college, especially at his level. I think that that grows on trees a little bit. I think that that can be had way, way later. Um, you, can, you, you can take a chance on a project. It, it may be considered more of a project, right? 
Yeah, I mean, maybe if defensive tackle was like our number one need in this draft, I would say I would be really intrigued by Travis Jones. But if I'm going to take a defensive tackle, I want him to be more of a pass rusher right now. And we'll worry about like the big man in the middle later if, if we really need to. But I want to get your thoughts on someone I think might slip into the second round level of talent, Zachary Carter. Um, and he's kind of interesting because I think he may fit better as a defensive tackle, but didn't quite play that in Florida. Uh, he played a lot more of like stand-up edge um, stuff. But what I liked about him was some of his, his bull, ru- bull rush stuff and a lot of his strength. He looked a lot stronger than the guys around him. And uh, it came with some some uh, disciplined pad level and things like that. So I, I don't know. What was his time at Florida like? Uh Florida's defense in the last couple of years was always in search of a pass rush. Uh, you know, last year was just a complete dis- – well, let, let's back up a minute. The, the Florida defense under Todd Grantham was very poorly coached, very poor technique, very poor scheme, very poor – pretty much everything. Uh, you know, they had guys out of position. They never really had a pass rush. And, you know, when they had someone like Brenton Cox who's back this year – when he was out, they were looking just to find guys who can rush the passer from the edge. And Carter was one of those guys that they forced outside to try to, you know, a body they needed, a guy who can try to go after the quarterback. So he may, may not have been playing where he should be, which really should be inside. I mean, he's a guy's a leader. Um, he's going to be very definitely missed by the skater defense this year since he's no longer there. But I think he's someone if he plays where he needs to. You know where he's best suited. I think he can, you know, definitely help an NFL team. Now, I don't think he's first or second round talent, but I think he's a guy who's, uh, you know, a gamer works really hard. I think he can find a spot in the league and play, you know, for a few years. Yeah, I think one of the things that works in his favor is that he is an experienced pass rusher, um, and also, you know. Despite not having the adequate length to be a pass rusher or, or the speed to make up for that length, uh, he has the body where he can continue to put on some upper body strength and weight. So I think he can kick inside, and I think that'll help him because he has that quickness to kind of screw things up in the middle. He might He's going to be faster than those interior offensive linemen, I think. Um, but I think where the Giants are going to do most of their damage when thinking about defensive tackle it's going to be in these middle rounds and i do think they're going to think of it because i think some guys are going to be chilling there they might be the best guy on the board um in round three somebody i really like that caught everybody's eye at the senior bowl was neil farrell jr from lsu Uh, i had never heard of this guy until the senior bowl and we're watching the first day of practices i mean he just didn't lose a single rep um and then you go back and watch his tape and you're like oh well he doesn't really lose reps in games either. I mean, 6'4", <laughs> 330 pounds. He's got an NFL body already. Uh, and one of the things that makes him really, really, really good is he has such a fast first step off the line of scrimmage. Um, he has really good strength to his hands as well. He has really good placed punches. Uh, his hands could be a little bit more active. You know, he could be better in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, his hands could be a little bit more active. He could be a little bit faster with them as well. Um, and he needs to develop some more pass rush, pass rush moves because what he likes to do is he comes in with a plan, and if it gets countered, then he's just got nothing, and he just tries his best. You know, He's got to work more of that stuff into his repertoire. But 
Otherwise, he creates madness in the middle, both in the run game and he gets out of the, after the quarterback really well. I like Neil Farrell Jr. in the third round, and I like him for the Giants. Would you be upset if they had drafted a defensive tackle in the third round, even though they have two third-round picks? Well, I mean, we just spent 15 minutes talking about the future and the question marks we have about you know the two guys we have would they even be on this team in 2023 so would i be upset the answer is no i think it's a i think it's a an important contingency in case one or both are gone and also which we haven't really talked about when we went over the roster was depth who you know in a rotation who's giving these guys a blow even if you know both of them are there this year so i would not be upset i mean it's uh it's not one of the marquee needs of this team, like you know, the offensive line and you know things we've discussed for months and months. But it's something that very quickly can become a major hole in this team. And if you have the ability, based on your board, to find an interior lineman that you like and he's available, you take him. So I would not be upset. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Um, remember, third and fourth round guys. If you're getting guys who can start in a year. You're, you're doing pretty good. If you get guys that are starting this year, you either have a terrible roster or you really nailed the pick. Um, or if you but, get guys who can play in the in the rotation right away. You know, like I said, if uh, you know Dexter Lawrence needs a blow, he can go in and play. And you're not like, oh my god, I just hope he doesn't get killed out there. You know, the needs are the immediate need is to, to help the depth of the rotation, but with an eye to the future because they may be pressing the service and, and be a starter and be an impact guy. And, you know, those guys, you're not going to find them in the sixth round or, you know, cut down day pickups. I mean, you have to invest in them a little bit. And, again, that's why I wouldn't be upset if, you know, early day three we take one. That, that'd be fine with me. Yeah, in an ideal world, your third and fourth round picks are going to be starters this year and they're going to be great players. Um, but the reality is is that they're, the talent pool there is a lot of ceiling. Um, and I'm going to get into somebody here. He's third, fourth round talent. is going to be kind of hard to project. I think more of him than I think a lot of other people. And it's Myron Tungavailoa uh, Amosa, who's Tua's cousin, I think. Um, Notre Dame defensive tackle. And the biggest thing against him is that he's only 6'2", 270 pounds. Um, that he's quite short. But uh, – and, and that does – you know, that lack of length, you see it when he can't make a tackle, when he can't reach uh, and close up those mm-hmm. gaps. But this is a dude that wins on like straight up technique and effort. I mean, really good pad level, a furious first step off the line, and just a relentless, relentless motor. The kind of thing you really can't teach, to be honest with you. Active hands, always swatting away. You know, obviously needs to be more refined. But he's a scrappy player that wins on effort. You know, at Notre and- Dame too. So he's not he's not no UConn kid. You know what I mean? Yeah, and this team needs effort guys. I mean, just you know, the sure. talent level's not going to be there. You can make up a little bit for the talent gap is by playing your ass off and you know, and being that type of guy because that is a little contagious. If someone's playing like that, and you know, it it, it, it works through the the uh, defensive lineman uh, room. So it also that's, that's tires like, guys out. You know, it may not win sure. in the first couple of reps, but in the fourth quarter of a game, it starts to win. Sure. Um, you know. Or, you know, it weakens the O-lineman for when he's out of the rotation and Dexter Lawrence jumps in there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't really rotate out offensive linemen the way we do defensive linemen. So, high effort guys. I mean, 
effort will win sometimes. It should uh, be a given, but it's something we have to point out when we actually see it. That's a sad state. But it's also like players. when you watch when I'm watching film, like I see some guys where they like like not I'm not saying that Neil Farrell Jr. is a low effort player. Quite the opposite. But like I said, like a guy who just kind of like throws his body in there, not Neil Farrell, but like other guys they just kind of like use their bulk. That's right. That's not high effort to me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? This is a dude that's gonna try literally every move he's got to make it work in that play. Um and, you know, moving in, another guy who's not quite as good, I don't think, but the same kind of player, I have him as a fourth-round talent, which is pretty pretty close to where I have a, a MTA there. But Keyshawn Camp from Pittsburgh, another guy, 6'3", 280, not adequate length, um, but great first step off the line, really active hands, need to get better at that, good lower leg drive, big-time motor, able to... Add some pass rush rooms would make him a lot better. I like Keyshawn Camp as well. Um, I like these kinds of guys, especially in this this draft slot, in that third, fourth, fifth round thing. I want the big effort guys that I think can get better with NFL coaching. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially, you know, Pittsburgh, I'm sure, is a huge jump up in NFL coaching. Yeah, I'd say so. In the later (laughs) rounds, uh, Kentucky big man Marquand McCall caught my eye in rounds four or five. This is another one of those big men. And this is is what I mean. I mean, I don't think that there's a massive difference between Travis Jones and Marquand. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's there's a difference there for sure. I have them rated differently. But I think in terms of like the run game and what they do there, what they offer – Marcon McCall is <laughs> where he's being slotted here in the fourth, fifth round is where you'll find your good nose tackles, your good, you know, big men in the middle, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but he was somebody that caught my eye that might be like a, a value day pickup. And uh, one last guy from UCLA, I'm going to mention him, uh, Otito Obonia. He's His film didn't really jump out at me, and I was a little disappointed because he did look really good at the Senior Bowl. Not near, not as good as Neil Farrell Jr., but it was pretty close. They both had really, really good days there. Um, and I guess – yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, when you – your overall evaluation of a, uh, a prospect, how much weight are you putting on Senior Bowl versus tape? Because it – some people, you know, the last thing they see is the most important. I'm not, I'm not even talking about the combine. I'm just talking about seeing like that week of practice and seeing the one-on-one drills and, and all the other stuff versus what you're seeing on tape. How, how, how much do you weigh the two? You know, it's hard. Um, it depends on what the issues are. And I think what saved Obonia for me here was that a lot of the things that he did poorly on tape or I think were the reason his his tape looked bad were coachable moment things, like bad pad level. I mean, get lower. Get your pads lower than the guy you're trying to hit. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that was one of those things that the NFL coaches at the Senior Bowl drilled into his head because it, it appeared to me that he was playing with superior pad level and that was why he was winning. Um, if I see that he's taking to NFL coaching, I will weigh the Senior Bowl stuff heavier. Um, if there are athletic limitations, I'm going to weigh it because there's ways to get around athletic limitations. You know, being as refined as possible in what you do, you know, can help being very technical. But it's not going to be as impactful for me. You know, or or gotcha. you know, if someone's got. Um, 
uh, I guess it, it kind of goes under the technique, I think, but just people who play out of control when they start playing a little bit more under their own feet under NFL coaching, I weigh that heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, if they continue playing out of control or with bad technique with NFL coaching, they're just never going to get it, or I, I at least worry that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's where I'm kind of at with Obonia. To me, I would like hitting this sweet spot in the third, fourth round and getting a, not letting the defensive line fall apart before it becomes a problem. Um, I don't know. I you know I, I didn't really think that the defensive line was going to suck up my interest as much as it did, but I, I really worried about, um, I, I guess, just the future years at the position. Um, so let's look into the crystal ball. So you said Leonard Williams you thought would be thirty-five percent chance would be here next year, or did you say about Dexter Lawrence? No, Dexter other way Lawrence. around. Dexter Lawrence would be like thirty-five percent chance that we'll exercise the fifth-year option on him. Uh, okay, so you're thinking about thirty-five percent. What do you think the odds that Leonard Williams is in a giant uniform in twenty twenty-three? Oof. Uh... Let's say forty <laughs> percent. It's pretty close. So but that doesn't face- that doesn't mean that Dexter Lawrence won't be on the team next year. But the fifth year option, I mean, they might just choose to. I think there's a higher chance that let's yeah, say I like was- a fifty percent chance that they just sign him as a free agent next year. Yeah, I was going to kind of just assume what you mean by that, like he'd be on okay. the team or not on the team. Yeah. So you're giving almost very, 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 very low odds that both will be back in 2023. At this and, juncture, yeah, just based on the yeah. fact that they've neither one has played in the defense that we have. You know what I mean? There's a good chance that there's a, there's equal chances that Leonard Williams will be ineffective or super effective in this that will completely change my opinion. And I'm sure mm-hmm. Joe Shane's, you know? So I, where I'm driving to this is that the, the odds of, you know, uh, an interior guy being drafted are going higher than higher, probably higher than most fans think with one of the, you know, the uh, the the, sat, the the Friday picks or early Saturday picks. It's it's gonna. Yeah, happen. I think I I think the more effective you can get a player in the later rounds, the more likely that they're going to draft them. To be honest with you, because they need help at every level, they might as well get the best player they can. And maybe defensive line isn't 2022's biggest need, but if you have a starter level player available at a position in the fourth round, then and you know is addressing the I don't know the, the right tackle position in the fourth round really the best move or getting getting your starter next year a defensive tackle you know what I mean like or, or you know getting a getting a depth level right tackle in the fourth round or getting a starter level defensive tackle in the fourth round is what it comes you know when to. I was when I was thinking about this as, as I was prepping for this you know I was starting to think about what the biggest surprise to the average fan would be for a, a, a a position group drafted higher than they think, and I think definitely think this is the position. I think so. The one too. position that if all of a sudden, if even if you see on Friday, you know, it's like we 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 take one. It's like I don't think most people are so locked into tackle, corner, center, tackle, corner, edge. edge that yeah. if you know if a uh, you know we see Actually, one of these guys I, just pop in. I, I would be surprised if they drafted a running back. Uh, it doesn't even seem realistic, though. I mean, that's just. I, I would, but I would say it's possible in the fourth round, maybe. I'm, th- I'm talking higher. I'm talking yeah, like third round and higher. I, I would be shocked if they got a running. I back. would be I would... shocked, 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 shocked. 
But I'm talking about reasonable surpriseness. I think this is the position group we're going to be like. And I think a lot of people like didn't see that coming. But I think if you think about it, if you go through the roster, you see the potential for you know what the salaries are going to be, who could be cut and not. It's not as surprising as you think it would be. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Um, and like I said, the more we did this exercise, the more I, I felt nervous about the defensive line. Um, but you know, since I brought up running backs, that's our next episode. Also this week, Ooh. Friday morning, you guys will have another Just Giants for you. We'll recap the running backs coming out of school. Um, that's going to be kind of fun. Uh, probably not going to be the most I- important episode that we do, as it turns out in a about three weeks may not be relevant at all but uh i i really like looking at there's back tape too there'll definitely be one running back i will talk about and i will be smiling the whole way i do and he will get the respect he should have had in his years at a certain university but we'll save that for the next episode yeah um so be sure to follow us in the meantime uh, on Twitter at football underscore grump at the cranky fan at just giants pod and of course these episodes are available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, etc. In addition to YouTube, so be sure to follow on those places and comment or you know Sub- like these videos. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Five star review, five star review, five star review. That's my high five, high five, high five. That, yeah, that is my, my pitch, my, my plea <laughs> to you people is that uh, it really helps us out where, you know, as we're trying to spread the word more and uh, we, we really appre- we appreciate everybody who has done so, so far. We appreciate, if you know, another fellow Giant fan who, you know, wanted to put into their rotation of a podcast, you know, tell them about us and we'd really appreciate it. So thank you to all of you guys. And, you know, this off season is moving along. There's draft before you know it mini camps and then b- before you know it i promise you we're gonna be starting to think about uh training camp it's, it's coming around the corner faster than you think yeah but in the meantime we'll see you guys friday see you then go giants go giants